Andrew Womack Ministries presents this message titled, Lisa Paxton's Testimony. We pray that the Word of God will come alive in your heart as you listen. Today I have a very special treat for you. We've got a good friend of mine, Lisa Paxton. She's here in our recording studio. And we're going to have her start sharing her testimony with us today about the miraculous healing that God has done in her life. It's still in progress. I mean, uh, it was just last month, I think it was, that she had an eye that was blind and God opened it up. And So anyway, this is a progressive healing, but it is one of the most miraculous testimonies that I've ever heard. And so, Lisa, we welcome you here to the Gospel Truth Broadcast. You're now being heard all across the United States by millions of people. How do you feel? A little overwhelmed, but I am I am happy to be here, and it is a pl- privilege, Andrew, to be with you Amen. on the broadcast today. Lisa's husband is the uh, head of our phone center. He runs our prayer line ministry, and he has been a super blessing. I met Cecil and Lisa last summer on this tour to the U.K., and I visited with them, had a good time. But then one night when we were in Dublin, Ireland, Lisa got up and gave her testimony And I tell you, it was one of the most miraculous things I've ever heard. I know it's going to bless you. And so, Lisa, we're going to have to spend more than one day on this. I know it will go throughout this week. But I'd like to just get started with you sharing your testimony about what God has done and uh, probably just start at the beginning. You were born with um, uh, sickness. That has been a real problem all of your life. So just start and share with the people what's happened. Okay. Well, I was born with cerebral palsy which um, cerebral palsy is basically uh, perilous to the brain cells, and the brain cells die. And therefore, the body does not respond properly like it should. And the type of cerebral palsy that I had and was diagnosed with is spastic diaplegic of premature birth, which means that I was born prematurely, and also I have um, muscle spasms. Those were some of the symptoms. And also... um, that it affects two to four parts of the body, the legs or the arms, and sometimes it can affect the eyes and the lungs and so forth. But in my case, um, it basically affected my legs and my eyes, my my ability to see and my ability to walk. And um, So two out of the four areas so you were affected in. Yes, two out of the four areas. And... Um, I was born in 1958, and, and during that time, they did not have the medical, um, the medical knowledge that they do today. And my mother told me just recently that when I was born, I was not breathing, and that she noticed this and told the doctors, and they, they put her out, and um, they rushed me off and started working on me and got me breathing. And according to what we discussed, I was probably not breathing for anywhere from three to seven minutes. And according to medical um, knowledge, you're dead by that time. Mm. So I was revived, and um, it wasn't until I was about a year old that they discovered exactly what was wrong with me and diagnosed me with cerebral palsy. Um, From that point on... um, when I was about two and a half years old, I was put in a special school for handicapped children. And they began to work with me at that time, up to the time that I was 10 years old. And between the time I was about three and a half to 10, I had four major surgeries. Um, 
one was on the back of my legs on the tendons to stretch them and and also I had surgery on my eyes because I was also cross-eyed and I had dyslexia which is a learning disability which um, causes you not to be able to read and write and I saw double and I and I didn't know left from right and um, I was bedridden probably until I was I would say probably about four or five years old. Now didn't you also have partial blindness? Well in my right eye I could not focus and I could not see as I can remember up to just recently uh, see clearly out of my right eye. Um, so you could see light or something but you couldn't see? Uh -huh. I could see light. It wasn't totally dark. It wasn't totally black. But I couldn't focus. I couldn't see people. And I couldn't see colors that I remember. It's just been kind of black and gray. Now, you said you were bedridden until you were about four. So, uh, I mean, were you able to do anything? Were you crawling or, or um, what was the situation? Well, yeah. Um, actually, actually, I was being worked with, with um, physical therapists and doctors in this special school and being taught to sit up, being taught to... Um, I think I did crawl. Now, when I was speaking with my mother, she said I was about this age that I was out in the backyard and I was crawling over to our dog. I remember this clearly, and, and my mother has pictures of it. And she told me that I crawled over to Sam and pulled myself up for the first time on my feet, and the dog started walking with me. And that's the first time that I ever took steps. Hmm. And then I... I guess I fell down, but um, so it you was were no four one. Year, four was, years old when that first time. Um, I think so. I think so. And um, I know that I was also in a wheelchair, mm -hmm. and I had uh, braces on my legs. Um, I was being taught to walk. Um, with with a walking, it's it's like a a platform. With the bars on each side, with a bar, with a piece of wood in the middle to keep your feet separated, mm -hmm. and I remember vaguely walking on that a lot and working with um, physical therapists. And then again, I did have surgeries during this time um, on my body. When I was about nine years old, I had uh, surgery on both hips, and what I remember is it's called a uh, bilateral transfer. I'm not exactly sure what. They did, but it did stabilize me as far as my balance. Um, and by this time, I was walking with the assistance of crutches um, and braces on my legs. So with the crutches, basically, you're pulling yourself with your arms and dragging mm -hmm. your feet along. But yeah. you didn't have very much movement of your feet? Um, legs? Well, I could move my legs and my feet, but I did drag my feet a lot. Mm -hmm. So um, it wasn't you weren't able to walk without crutches or something. No, not without, not really without any, not without assistance, at this time. Um, then later on, I just gradually um, got weaned off one crutch and was on one crutch, and then I was after that, if I remember right, I was uh, totally off the crutches but still had the braces, um, and then I eventually was off the braces. I was walking on my own. Now, what, time, what age were you then? And at this time, it was 1969, we moved from California to Minnesota, and so it was right around this time that I was weaned off of the crutches. Um, 
because where we were going, we did not, they did not have the medical um, facilities and so forth that they did in California. And also, at this time, my learning ability was second grade level. Now, and how so, old were you? Eleven. So when you were 11, you were on the second grade level. Yes. Well, man, and I so, haven't even understood <laughs> all of this. I've heard about the physical part of it, but I tell you, you are, you are not behind anybody now. So no, um, this is miraculous. The Lord's been real gracious to me. And um, when I was 11, I, they put me in a, a public school for the first time, and I went into the third grade in that, that fall in Brainerd, Minnesota. And I guess I did pretty well. I don't remember the grades that I got, but from that point on, I just began to progress. Um, And I was very fortunate. With cerebral palsy, 60% of all children or anyone with cerebral palsy are mentally retarded. And I was very uh, blessed that my mentality was not affected. Mm -hmm. Um, I did have the dyslexia, which was a struggle as far as learning. And I think that, and this is what probably held me back. So were you also healed of the dyslexia? Yes. I can Praise read and ri- I can read and write now um, with no problem. Well, I tell you, I'm learning as much about you and what's happened as all of the listeners are. We're getting short on time here, but just real quickly, let me just catch up people that uh, possibly missed yesterday's broadcast. She started sharing that she was born with cerebral palsy, and uh, there was a lot of things wrong. You also had uh, double vision. And uh, she was sharing some things in between the programs that we were sharing that uh, she discovered this trying to crawl to a doctor one time. Mm -hmm. And she kept missing him. She was going to the wrong image. And so she had double vision. You had uh, very poor vision or virtually no vision in in your right eye. Um, You also had problems with your motor skills in your legs. And um, what else? Did I leave anything out? (laughs) Well, just just basically that I had... You know, oh, I dyslexia. Walk, dyslexia. Forgot to mention that. Which is a learning disability. And so at 11 years of age, you had progressed to the point that you were in second grade. Yes, I was in the second grade level of learning. And um, my family moved from California to Minnesota. And at this time, I had just turned 11 when they put me into the third grade in a, in a regular school, a regular public school. This was my first experience with being with children that had no physical problems. I bet and that so was that probably was a hard. challenge and a real adjustment for me that How year. did you handle that emotionally? Did they uh, make fun of you or did you have problems? Yeah, they did. They made fun of me, but um, I had a lot of loving support from my brothers at home and my, and my mother. So that, was, that helped a lot. <laughs> and um, so at this time in my life, um, I was exposed to a public school and children that had no other physical disabilities like I said and um, it was a challenge but I began to progress and learn my my numbers and and my multiplication tables and everything just like any other third grade child would do and I began to progress in my learning and I began to read and write at this time and um now were you aware of the dyslexia at that time um i think i was um yes i i was aware that i did have a problem um i don't remember now how much it affected me because i was able to learn mm-hmm. um then as 
Then I went through the fourth grade and the fifth grade and sixth grade. And we were living in Minnesota on a on a 400-acre farm at this time. And I was in a small country school, which was a real blessing because I had personal attention from the teacher. And I wasn't in a big, big classroom. So that was a real help and a real encouragement. And I learned to stand on my own two feet, so to speak, as an individual. And learned also that even though I was a little bit different, I could still have fun and I could relate with other children. Um, then later on in my life, when I became, when I came to about 16 years old, we had moved to another farm in Minnesota, south of De, uh, Duluth. The first farm was up in Interna uh, up by International Falls, mm -hmm. and my sister. Patty came to visit us that summer. She was my oldest sister. I hadn't seen her for years. And I had no idea about salvation as far as how I believe in Jesus today. Um, I did have a background of a Lutheran and Catholic because that's all that was available in the community at that time. But my sister came from Louisiana, and she came into the house that day and she said to me, she said, Lisa, before I leave, she said, you will uh, receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and God is going to begin to heal your body. I had never heard those words before. Now, and did I you thought go to she church? was crazy. Did you go to church regularly? Um, for a short time. When I was about 13 years old, I went to a Lutheran church and was confirmed in the Lutheran church. So you had some knowledge, but you didn't have the understanding of what it was to be born again, personal no. relationship. No, I had no I had no knowledge of a personal relationship. So with Jesus what was Christ. your reaction when your sister told you this? I laughed at her and told her she was crazy. Well, did she win? Yeah, Jesus won. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> she she gave me a little booklet. It was uh white with black letters and, and a big red if on the front. It's like a little pamphlet. And she gave it to me, and she said, you read this. And it was on hell and on heaven. And I read it, and it scared me. And it actually, it terrified me. But it began to cause me to question, you know, my life, where I was at at that time, um, wh what direction I was going. And um, to make a long story short, at the end of that two weeks, and I tested my sister during that time. I tested her and could not make her angry. She didn't swear. She didn't cuss. Now, was she that didn't different? do those things, and that was totally different from <laughs> what I was used to growing up in. Um, I mean, was that a change for her before she did those things? Uh, yes. Um, so you could it, see the proof of it. But it was a change for me because, um, you know, those things went on in my home. Mm -hmm. And she never got upset. And that I remember more than anything else. And at, that in, at the end of that two weeks, um, I left the farmhouse and went up behind the barn on a hill where I used to go just to get away from everything. And um, it took me quite a while to get up there, but when I got up there, I started to question. And I was angry. And I was full of all kinds of emotions. And I cried out to God. And I told him, I said, if you're real, then you, ha you have to show me. Because at this, at this point, I don't know what's real 
I don't know what's the truth, and it's now or never. It's now or never. And I knew in my heart that I was making a decision that if God didn't show himself true to me, I was going to turn away from him and I wasn't going to believe in him because of some of the things that I had gone through. Um, and Did all of I the wa- physical problems that you had, did uh, that ever cause any bitterness? Was that part of it? Is- uh, it I think the physical, the physical things caused me to um, resent being that way at times because I wanted to be normal. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be able to be physically active. I wanted to be able to do things that my brothers did. I wanted to be able to, you know, be free from from this hindrance physically. So did any of that resentment go towards God? Did you hold him accountable for it? I think I might have a little bit. Um, I think I might have because there was there was a lot of resentment and there was a lot of anger inside of me um, concerning other things also. Typical teenage yeah. rebellion. I so what happened when you uh, gave God this <laughs> ultimatum? When I gave God this ultimatum, he gave me an answer immediately. And I was walking across the uh, hay field. We had just cut the, the hay, and it was in windrows. And when I called it out at him, he answered me immediately. The power of God hit me. I went flying, and I landed on my back. My crutches went, I don't know where they went, hmm. and, I went and I was pinned to the ground. And I was terrified. And I cried out, God, don't kill me, don't kill yeah. me, don't kill me, because I didn't know. This is my first experience with the power of God. So you didn't know what was happening. No, I, I really wasn't sure what was happening. And as I hit the ground, I was pinned to the ground. For how long? I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know the time. But um, when I got up, I began to just weep and cry from way down deep inside and as I began to weep and cry something began to break in me and then I felt a peace just flood over me from the top of my head all through my body and I knew I knew that I was forgiven Praise God. I didn't understand it I didn't because I didn't know the scriptures I just knew that I was forgiven and I opened my mouth to thank him and I'm, I'm sure it took, uh, it was probably 10, 15, 20 minutes maybe. And I opened my mouth to, forget, to thank him. I wanted to thank him. Mm-hmm. And as I opened my mouth, I began to speak in a funny language. Is that right? And I wasn't speaking in English. And I didn't, underst- I didn't understand the language, but I was, I was speaking in a different language. And in the meantime, if I remember correctly, my sister had... She'd seen me come out of the house and head up towards this hill, and she'd gone around the back of the property, up through the swamp, up behind me, and was in the woods. And so when she heard me speaking in this language, she came out of the woods, and she come running towards me, and we fell down on the ground and rejoiced. And I don't know if I was crying, she was crying, we were laughing. I was babbling off on this language, and she began to explain to me in English what happened to me, and oh, that's I was, tremendous. Um, I was sovereignly baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, which is one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And well, I Lisa, needed this. We're running short of time. Yes. We just back out to wind up here today. We're going to continue tomorrow. But let me just uh, add for the people listening 
that uh, this is when your healing really began. Yes, this is when it began. At Salvation, and we'll be sharing on our program tomorrow and on through the rest of this. Well, at this time, after my salvation, um, I did begin to progress um, quite rapidly, and um, any of the regression was gone, and I just began to get stronger, and my faith began to grow as I began to study the Word. One of the first scriptures that the Lord gave me as a believer was Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, twelve, thirteen, and 14, My, that God has thoughts for me for future and a hope and not for evil. And that if I would come to him and pray to him and seek him with all my heart, that he would answer me. And um, I took that wholeheartedly. And I began to do that. And so through those years, from the time I was 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, I graduated from high school at the age of 21. Um, And I wasn't, um, originally, I don't think when I was a child that they ever believed that I was going to be able to graduate from high school or even go on to college. Um, But now that I've brought you up to this time, um, this was 1979 when I graduated from Mm -hmm. high school. And in those years, I uh, developed talents and, and abilities in speaking and, and competing on a forensics team where we did speech competitions all over the state. And one of the things that um, the Lord blessed me with was I won the state competition two years in a row. And that was a real testimony to the Lord. And I was able to write one of my own stories and give it as a um, contest, and I won, and it was a little story about a little lamb based on Scripture. And so the Lord really blessed me during those years in high school. Well, you now, know, that's uh, that's quite a testimony in itself, Lisa, uh-huh. that you graduated with those kind of abilities and stuff, considering the learning disabilities. Yes, and that's part of the reason I wanted to share that with you. So any of you out there that are struggling in school, don't ever give up. Because God is faithful. And if you will trust Him and put your trust in Him, He will help you. And also, I want to go on and share with you, too, that in 1979, in the fall, I went on to college. I received some scholarships and also some assistance um, through, you know, um, grants and so forth. So I was planning to go on to a communications major and into drama, and I entered into college that fall, and in October, on the 2nd of October, I went to a class, and I passed out in class. I blacked out completely, and I woke up in an ambulance, and they were rushing me to the hospital, and I wasn't sure what was happening other than I went into muscle spasms, which are part of the cerebral palsy, and muscle spasms can be very severe, now, is and that a- these were... And they can be very painful. That's a typical symptom of cerebral palsy. Yes, it's a typical symptom of this type of cerebral palsy that I was diagnosed with. And so then I ended, I was in the hospital for about two weeks there, and they transferred me to back to Madison, Wisconsin. We had moved in the meantime from Minnesota in 1979. And, I mean, 1977. And so then... They transferred me back to Madison, and at this time, um, there was quite a bit of damage done in my back to the muscles and the supportive tissues to my spine, 
where they believed that the, the vertebrae had slipped to the degree that it was pressing against my spinal column and they were afraid that it would sever my spinal column and I would be totally paralyzed. At this time, I was partially paralyzed down the left side of my body. Now, before the spasms, you were partially paralyzed? No. Oh, it was during the spasms. It was because of it. It was because of it. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I had a, a lot of trouble trying to negotiate that part of my body. And so you were already so, having trouble walking. You were on crutches or braces. Mm-hmm. And I presume after this paralysis, what did that do? That set me back uh, quite a bit. Um, and so then I was, I was put in a form of traction to keep my body um, stable and still. And at this time, it was um, November, the end of November. 1979, and I had a brother, Don Tellender, who was going to school at Christ for the Nations in Texas, and he was a student, and he began to call me from the moment he heard about my situation, and he told me that Jesus could heal me, and that I would not need the surgery that they were discussing at this time, and they were discussing a surgery on my back for January of 1980, which would keep me in a body cast for a year and a half. Mm. And I would be taken out of the body cast in June of 1981 with no guarantee of ever being able to walk again. And so here I was, an adult, and I had a very serious uh, decision to make. Uh, You know, my family was frightened, I was frightened, and um, I was trusting God. I didn't know what to do. And my brother was encouraging me, continued to encourage me. And he also said that he had had, he called me one day and he told me he had 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 a dream and a vision from God. And in this dream, the Lord had spoken to him and told him that I was to come to Christ for the Nations for one year. And after that year that he would send me to a foreign country and I would give my testimony. When my brother told me this, I laughed. (laughs) I, I told him, I told him, you don't understand what I'm going through. You have no idea. I'm on my back. (laughs) Now, your brother probably wasn't there when all of these spasms and things happened. He just had heard about it. Mm -hmm. But he hadn't seen you in that condition. No, he hadn't seen me. Uh, But he was at school, and he said that that they were all praying for me. And so I began to really think about what he was talking about. And my other brothers, my other brother Dave, who was younger than me and living at home at the time, was was there, and he would encourage me. And I had another brother, an older brother, Tom, who was getting married in December. And my brother Don wanted me to go to that wedding and said, you need to come to this wedding. And one day, I was laying in the bed, I was alone in the room, and I made a decision that I did not want to be this way anymore. I would rather die than than be in this condition. Well, Lisa, that's, uh, let me just interrupt a second and say that, you know, that's where a lot of people don't get healed is because they haven't made that decision. you got to choose. you got to start resisting someplace. That was probably a really pivotal point in this whole process. I, I agree, Andrew. I really do, because when Don started calling me, and I mean, he would call me every day, long distance from Texas to Wisconsin, and he'd just tell me, listen, and he'd just read the scriptures to me. Love you. See you tomorrow. And he'd hang up. Next day he'd call me and just read some more scripture to me. He was feeding me the word of God. And the word of God, it says in Psalms 100 and, 
uh, 7 verse 20, it says, He will send His Word, and He will Amen. heal you. And I begin to grab onto that Word, and that's that day when I made that decision, you know, I'm getting out of this mess. And yet, now at this time, you were in traction, told that possibly if you moved, you could be paralyzed for life. Mm-hmm. Yes. So what did you begin to do? Did you try and come out of the traction? Uh, I, was, my, I was trying to figure out a way to do it, and I knew that I couldn't do it by myself um, because I couldn't undo everything. So um, I, I had an aunt that lived in the city, and uh, she came over one day. And I got to talking to her, and I asked her to help me. And she was afraid to. And my mother was afraid also um, to take any responsibility for this decision. And I was an adult, so it was decided that if anything was going to happen, it was going to be all on me. You know, if if I messed everything up, then I was going to take the responsibility for it. And so my aunt said she would help me. And I told her I just wanted to sit up. First, that was the first step. I wanted to get to a sitting position. That here you were in traction. Your mother would have nothing to do with helping you out of it because she loved you. She didn't want to see you paralyzed. And you basically had asked your aunt to help you get out of this traction, which possibly could have meant total paralysis. And so mm-hmm. that's where we are. What happened? Well, she, my aunt did come in, and she did help me. And um, this took a long time, and I'm going to condense things so that we can go on into the um, testimony even further. It did take quite a while to come to a sitting position, and then I had one more goal once I got to a sitting position, and I looked at her and I said, I just want to stand on my feet just for a second, just for a second. I just want to see if I can get on my feet. And, And she was holding on to me, and we sort of lifted and pulled and and I got to my feet for for maybe a second or two and I was satisfied because I I knew on the inside I knew that I knew that I knew that if I could make those two goals I, Jesus I was going to make it and the Lord was with me so this and, was quite a step of faith because you could have been paralyzed by doing this yes, according to the doctor it, yes yes and so from from that point on um My younger brother, Dave, uh, came home from school one day, and he had an idea. He said, uh, he said, do you want, he says, do you want to walk? And I said, do I want to eat? Of course I want to walk. And so he said, okay, I'm going to pull you out of bed, and I'm going to put you on the floor. And so he pulled me out of the bed, put me on the floor, and I began to pull myself across the floor, just like I had when I was a little girl, when I had just started to walk. And um, so that's where we started, my brother and I, down on the floor. And um, my other brother, Don, who had called me from Texas and was giving me the scriptures, he was still calling me and giving me scriptures. And he said, you need to go to the wedding. And I had decided that I was going to my brother Tom's wedding in uh, Kansas. And so Dave and I worked at this until I was in a position where I could be moved and I was mobile enough to to be to be moved out of the house and so forth. And this was in the in December of 1979. And um, I was flown by plane to um, the airport in Chicago, O'Hare. Mm-hmm. And I was supposed to meet up with some nurses 
Now, you were in traction this whole time. I know I was. Stretcher? uh, Yeah. And um, I was out of the traction. Okay. But I needed assistance. Mm -hmm. You certainly couldn't get around by yourself. No, I couldn't get around by myself at all. And the rest of the family drove by car that I remember. And so I was supposed to meet some assistance in um, O'Hare, but they had some trouble with the plane in Madison, so we had to go and, and land and take off again, whereby I missed my connections. Well, when I got into O'Hare, they weren't there. And as we were sitting in the airport and, and the people at the airport were wondering what to do with me, these two men came up to me and said to me, Are you Lisa? Are you Lisa Tellender? And I said, Yes, I am. Who are you? And they said that they were Christians and that they had had a vision that morning and God had spoken to them. Wow. And that, they, that God had spoken to them to come and take care of me and take me to Kansas. Now, you'd never seen these guys. Never seen these guys before in my life. And I don't even remember their names. I don't even remember if they told me their names. Oh, boy, they knew yours. That's a, that's a miracle, knew, isn't it? They told me, yes. They told me they knew my face because they had seen me in a vision. And so they asked if they could help me. And I said, well, sure you can. I need help. Praise God. And so they loaded me onto the plane the next flight and flew me to Kansas, uh, Wichita, actually, Wichita, Kansas. And my brother Tom was there waiting. And uh, they delivered me to my brother. I went ahead and went on to the wedding. The I think it was the next day. And they had the wedding in the morning and a reception in the afternoon and a family dinner in the evening. Now, this family dinner, there were about 500 people there. And um, and it was, in, it was at night. And I, they had propped me up in a chair in the corner. And... Um, And I was just sitting there just kind of waiting, and this couple came in and walked over to me. And this man was not dressed for the wedding. And he said to me, so you are the one that destroyed my vacation. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, well, the Lord told me to come and pray for you. And I came all the way back from Canada just to pray for you. And and I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, I'm to lay hands on you. This is my wife. And um, God wants to heal you. And I said, okay. And there were some other details that went along with his testimony. Well, we need to share which, those. Do you want? Okay. Yes. I, I tell you, this is all a lot to cram into one program, but these possibly were two angels, if not angels. It certainly was miraculous how these two guys found you in the airport. And share about how this man knew where to come. Okay. This is This is his testimony. He walked up to me. Where in the corner, he knew who I was. He recognized me, and this is what he said: "So you're the one that destroyed you. You're the one that messed up my vacation." And he was in Canada, and um, he couldn't sleep. He was disturbed for two or three days, and the Lord kept putting on him, "You need to do. You need to be obedient." So he submitted, and he said, "But how am I going to find her?" I said, "You fly to Wichita, and there will be a a man." With a cab out in front of the airport, he'll have a blue um, cap on, get into his cab, he'll know where to take you. Hmm. And he said, so we flew to uh, Wichita, came out of the airport, there was a man there with a blue cap on. I looked at him, he said, sir, I know where, I, I know where you're to go. I got in the cab, and he brought me right here 
to this bank building. Praise God. And he said, so I'm not even dressed for this wedding. Well, Lisa, you know. I'm to pray for you. I know that we, there's a lot more to share, but I just can't help but take a break here and say what a miracle this is. Yes. That within a space of two days, you had these two guys meet you in Chicago O'Hare. For anybody to meet you in Chicago O'Hare, if it was your husband, would be a miracle. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but much less to have never met you. God just spoke to him in a vision, gave him your name, yes. showed them what you looked like. They came and took care of you and yes. then just disappeared. Have you ever seen or heard from them since? No, never. You think and they were angels? They could have been. Uh, they could have been. I, I don't know. There's no way of I, I had an impression. Th- a thought came to my mind at the time. Maybe they were truckers. Maybe they were coming down to pick up a load. But they could very well have been. And angels. then within a couple of days, you had this man miraculously break a vacation. God told him to come to Wichita, Kansas. That'd have to be God to send anybody to Wichita, Kansas. <laughs> and then told him that he would meet a man with a blue cap on that would know where to take him. Everything worked. That he, yes. And we're out of time. We're going to have to continue tomorrow, but I tell you, stay tuned. We have some Saw you and walked up and said something, I think. Uh, so you're the one that ruined my vacation. Yes. Boy, that's exactly. miraculous. Well, tell us what happened after that. Well, then, right at that time, um, he asked if he could pray for me, and I just looked at him, and I said, well, I, yes. And... Um, so his wife, she knelt, she knelt down in front of me and asked if she could lay her hands on my hips, which I said yes. And he walked around behind me and began to pray for me. And I felt a real funny sensation on the top of my head, at the back of my head. It was like someone was pulling my hair, like with, with the tips of their fingers. And it was a real funny feeling. And without realizing it, I lifted my left arm and with my left hand and went across the top of my head. I was trying to wipe it off. And about the third time that I lifted my left arm up, I realized I was moving my left arm. And that was the part that had been paralyzed. Yes. And at that moment, I felt a hot heat, like hot oil, touch that part of my head. And it went down the back of my head, down my neck, down my spine, and stopped right in that lower part of my back, where the damage was, and it began to spread out to the sides, shot down through my hips, down through the, my legs, and out the bottom of my feet. Now, this man came around immediately and grabbed my right hand, and he said, um, Rise up in the name of Jesus. And when he said that, I came to a complete standing. I was standing straight up, and I didn't get up out of the, out of the chair as a person will grab onto the chair and get themselves up, I was standing up immediately, mm. erect. And my mother was across the room at a small table. Her back was to me. I focused on her. I didn't even think. I didn't even think. I just focused on my mother, and I began to take small steps. And I realized I was began to take baby steps. Now, this is a person that was in traction, and this was totally impossible in the natural. It was Mm -hmm. God, right? Yes. And I started walking across the room to my mother. I I had my focus on my mom, and I heard gasps. I heard people just like this around me, but I I was focusing on my mother, and my mother turned around, and she saw me, and I don't know, I was a few, few feet of maybe a a yard or so 
maybe two yards from her. And when when um, she turned around and she saw me, I said, Mama, I can walk. And when I said that, Mom fainted. <laughs> <laughs> and from that point, I, I began to walk baby steps. And um, the pain was gone out of my back. I had motion in the left side of my body. I could move my arm, my leg, and I was walking. Um, I wasn't totally, I wasn't walking completely whole like some of you are, but I was walking. And um, after the wedding, I went back to Wisconsin, and I called my doctor, and I canceled the surgery for January 7th. And the first thing he said to me was, you went to that wedding? I said, yes, I went to the wedding. And he said, what happened? I said, um, I don't need the surgery. He said, don't move, don't do anything. Mm. I'll send an ambulance. I said, you don't need to send an ambulance. I'll come to you. And so I went to his office, and I walked into the office, and I remember the nurses just kind of backing up and pointing at the door and saying he's in there. They were in shock. Mm. I went into his office, and I closed the door, and he turned around and he saw me and he said, this can't be happening. This is not happening. So you walked in. He yes, saw you I standing there. Into the ho- I walked into his office and, and he backed up against the wall and he just kept going, this cannot be happening. And he said, what happened? And I said, Jesus healed me. And I did not realize at that point that he was Jewish. Hmm. And I did not have the understanding of where they stood in their beliefs. And so I just started telling him what happened, and he grabbed a book off his shelf, and he was flipping through it, and he was reading something, and he came around, and he he fell down on the floor, and he began to weep, and he began to read something that I didn't know what he was reading, and I had a little Bible in my purse, and I pulled it out. The only scripture I knew was Isaiah 53, so I turned to it and started reading it to him. And I said, Jesus healed me and he said Jesus and I said yes Jesus and um, he said there is no Jesus there's only one God and I said well Jesus is the Messiah I knew that much Mm -hmm. and I told him he's the Messiah and he healed me and this man broke and he he asked me to lead him to this Messiah and I led him to Jesus now, and this within, was a Hebrew Bible he was reading is what it was, I, right? I think so. I guess. Yeah. I, would, I would assume so at this point. Praise God. At that time, I didn't, I didn't know what it was because I didn't have that knowledge. Um, and within a year or so, as I understand, he passed away. But he came to Jesus. Amen. And from that point on, um, the Lord changed my total um, focus. I did go to Christ for the Nations in 1980. I had forgotten about my brother's vision that he'd given to me. And in 1981, in June, I stepped off the plane in Jamaica on a ministry team. And as I stepped off the plane, the Lord spoke to me and he said, Am I not faithful? I am the Lord God that healeth thee. Amen. Go and tell your testimony. And I remembered the vision immediately that my brother had told me when this happened back in October of 1979, that I would go to Christ for the Nations for one year. I would 
and then he would send me to a foreign land to share my testimony. And here I was, June 1981, in a foreign land. I had gone to Christ for the Nations for one year, and that was the time that I was supposed to come out of the cast mm-hmm. with no guarantee of ever being able to Amen. walk. And not only did you share your testimony in Jamaica, but I heard you share it in Ireland. And now you're sharing it on approximately 60 radio stations all across the United States. Praise, Praise God. God. He's faithful. <laughs> Real quickly, let me just condense some things that Lisa is still in the process of receiving her healing. This was in 1979, right at the beginning of 1980. And you're still having some trouble walking. I know that uh, if you go a long distance, sometimes you still use a wheelchair. But, I mean, you're progressing. And uh, it was just last month, I think it was, that uh, you were at Marilyn Hickey's answering the phones. And tell them what happened with your vision. Well, I was working at Marilyn Hickey's as a prayer warrior in her ministry. And I was, I'd been praying with someone, and I'd hung up the phone. And my eyes started to itch, kind of. They were bothering me. So I began to rub the left eye. And as I was rubbing the left eye, I glanced down at my Bible, and I could see the words in my Bible. And I realized that my left eye was covered, and I began to read the Scripture. And so I began to test it. And I told uh, one of the uh, supervisors immediately, because I got excited. And so I read her the Scripture. She got excited and went and got the director. And and she was asking me some questions. Well, what can you see? And I began to explain to her, well, I can't see color. I I can't see color. I couldn't do this. I couldn't do that. And I was looking at this lady's blouse, and it was a multicolored blouse. And it hit me that I could see the colors in her blouse. So your vision began to come clear as well as the color. Yes. I can see color out of my right eye. I can read out of my right eye um, at close range. When I cover my left eye at this time, um, uh, looking far distance, it's still blurry. But it's but coming. It's coming. Well, yeah. Lisa, we're just about out of time. I want to ask you to cover your left eye and just take the Bible right there in front of you and just pick whatever verse is there and read this with your right eyes so that the people can see. You need to get to where the microphone's in front of you. There you go. And just read us one verse of Scripture. Okay. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Amen. And I can testify that that was with her left eye covered, Second Corinthians 7, 1. Praise God. He is faithful, Lisa. We hope that your heart has been quickened by hearing the Word of God through this message. Remember, Andrew Womack Ministries operates a helpline that you can call for prayer and information at 719-635-1111. We have a ministry website at www.awmi.net, and you can write the ministry at P.O. Box 3333, Colorado Springs, 80934. Until next time, we pray that you will reach out by faith and receive everything that is yours through God's grace.